We'll be in 2 Chronicles 13, obviously, and 1 Kings 15. To continue the study of now, what is the kings, what are the kings of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel? We have seen that Jeroboam is now the king of the northern kingdom. Rehoboam has lost the kingdom, has lost half the kingdom. So we continue with uh, his son, Abijah, in uh, succession to Rehoboam in Judah. Let's look at that in Second Chronicles 13. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, Abijah began to reign over Judah. Three years he reigned in Jerusalem. Three years is not very long. His, his reign is practically insignificant except for the war that he fought with Jeroboam, the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom of Israel. As we study this, we will see the importance in overall Bible study and, and the study of God's people of, of this war. Three years he reigned in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. There was a war between Abijah and Jeroboam, the king of Judah and the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. And Abijah conducted the war with an army of mighty warriors, 400,000 chosen men. And Jeroboam waged war with him with 800,000 chosen men, mighty warriors. So let's see how the account is given, excuse me, in 1 Kings in chapter 15. And beginning in verse 1. And in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, Abijam. Same word. It's just a little the way that the translation reads. Ruled over Judah. Three years he ruled in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Maacha, the daughter of Abishalom. Same woman. Just a different uh, pronunciation. And he went in all of the sins of his father that, he, that had been done before him or that his father had done before him. His heart, this is Abijam, his heart was not complete with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. Since the death of David... with the incoming reign of Solomon and then Rehoboam and now Abisham. There is an emphasis on the importance of David and his reign. This is because, and you, you know this, this is because Yahweh had established a covenant with David 
Yahweh, this, this is an unconditional covenant. So Yahweh is bound to keep the covenant. Frankly, it has nothing to do with the sons of David and everything to do with Yahweh. We're going to find, as we've seen here, some of these sons of David are not very good, but they still carry the covenant of David. So David is mentioned here, and this is a reminder to us that uh, Yahweh is in control of, of history, of everything that's happening, and that mankind is headed toward the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, whatever you want to call it. And the son of David, as promised, as covenanted, will reign on the throne of David forever. So we keep going back and we're reminded of the covenant of David every time we read with regard to the southern kingdom kings. Now, Judah, the kings of Judah, are the sons of David. The northern kingdom, and we'll see that work out here in this passage, does not carry the spiritual import that Judah has with regard to worship and the temple and so forth although they are still the people of God. So we keep that in mind, and we'll see how Abishim here, Abishim is uh, compared, his heart is compared to the heart of David, his father. It's an emphasis on the strength of God's purpose regarding his covenant his word, what he will do for his people. He does it for us. We have these references. It is, it is Yahweh's reminder to us. He's not gonna forget his people. We have a kingdom that we're part of. It's eternal. And we're headed to an incomparable life that, uh, that is beyond anything we could imagine, and that's how I take this every time I see this comparison. Here's a guy, Abijam. He's, he's not the best guy he ought to be. Compared to David, he's really not good. But God has made a promise. It is an irrevocable promise of the Almighty, the heart of David, his father. For because of David, the Lord his God gave him rule in Jerusalem to set up his son after him to preserve Jerusalem. So what he's saying is this, okay, he's second removed from David, then right out, we won't get to it tonight, but then Asa, his son, is in the lineage of David. And it's all what? Because of David, there is, this, there is this unbroken line in the ancestry. And so 
since David did what was just in the eyes of Yahweh, and he did not turn away from all that Yahweh had commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah, Uriah the Hittite, there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. Jeroboam becomes the king of the, of the 10 northern tribes and there's nothing but war. Okay. The rest of the events of Abijam and all that he did are written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah. And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. Abijam slept with his fathers. They buried him in the city of David in Asa, well, Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. Now we go back over and pick up then in 2 Chronicles. We back up a little bit. And 2 Chronicles gives us details about the war that 1 Kings doesn't give us. But there's some theological depth here in the account of the Chronicles that we should pay attention to. Back over to 2 Chronicles 13, beginning in verse 4. Abijah rose at the top of Mount Zemarium, which is on Mount Ephraim. And he said, hearken to me, Jeroboam and all of Israel. So he preaches a sermon, a sermon on the mount. He preaches a sermon. And he reflects a depth of theological knowledge, of spiritual knowledge. Bob said his heart wasn't the same as David's was toward Yahweh. But he has enough of it to deliver this message to Jeroboam and all of the northern kingdom of Israel. Now let's follow this message. Because this lays a, this lays a fundamental principle that carries all the way through the rest of the history of the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom as well. The northern kingdom didn't last as long as the southern kingdom. So here he goes with his message. Should you not know that Yahweh, the God of Israel, gave the kingdom to David over Israel forever? That is the Davidic covenant. And to his sons with a covenant of salt. That's a reference to, a, to the permanent state of uh, it's, it's a Hebraism that was used to, to describe a covenant that would be unending, permanent. But Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, you may, you may recall, I don't know, three or four weeks back, we saw how Jeroboam was a, a servant of Solomon and then he withdrew when Solomon died and went to Egypt. Servant of Solomon, son of David, arose and rebelled against his master. These were in the latter years of Solomon's reign. And there gathered to him worthless and unbridled men. And they overwhelmed Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And Rehoboam was young and soft-hearted, and he did not strengthen himself before them. So he has the unpleasant task, Abijam does. He has the unpleasant task of um, apologizing for the failure of his father. 
He says, my father was young when he became, then he was soft-hearted. He, he wasn't lion-hearted. He wasn't the kind of leader that he should have been. And he, he didn't strengthen himself before those who were his enemies. He should have been tougher. He should have come against them, but he didn't. And now you are saying to strengthen yourselves before the kingdom of Yahweh in the hand of the sons of David. So he's preaching to Israel and the king of the northern kingdom, Jeroboam, and he says, you have split away from the true kingdom and the true kings of the kingdom, the sons of David, you've, you've split away and you're trying to strengthen yourself apart from the sons of David. And you are a great multitude and with you are golden calves that Jeroboam made for you for gods. So Jeroboam led them into idolatry and Abijah here is preaching against it and he's warning, he's telling them that they have been misled because they have withdrawn and are not following the sons of David and the true kingdom of Yahweh. That's what he says there in verse eight. Did you not banish the priests of Yahweh, the sons of Aaron and the Levites and make for yourselves priests like the peoples of other lands, of the nations? Whoever comes to initiate himself with a young bull and seven rams will be a priest to a non-God. That was something established by Jeroboam. So he's drawing the significant difference spiritually between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. But as for us, the Lord our God, and we have not, for, the Lord is our God, that's really how it should read. Uh, uh, the Lord is our God, Yahweh is our God, we have not forsaken him. And the priests who minister to Yahweh are the sons of Aaron, okay? We have been studying, you and I, in Leviticus, and now we're in Numbers. And what was established in Leviticus and first given his law in Exodus has been, has been reiterated administratively in the organization of the people, getting them ready to march. And in there is the law that came from Yahweh through Moses to the people. And the law says that the high priesthood always comes from Aaron and his sons and the Levites, the tribe of Levi, are to be ministering servants in the rest of the ministry of, uh, of the rituals and sacrifices and so forth of the uh, temple. So you can't, in that economy, in that day, in the Torah and the law of Moses, you cannot claim to have an official worship of Yahweh as the people of Yahweh if you don't have the sons of Aaron and the Levites. If you don't have that, you're not, you're not getting it done. It's, it's counterfeit. It's false. It doesn't work. So really, Abijam here, he, he makes a brilliant um, contrast between what is real in worship and what is not real in worship. There are fundamentals of worshiping Yahweh that must be obeyed under the law here 
and they're not following them. So therefore, there's no way that they could consider themselves as the people of God to be in worship of God. And it's all because Jeroboam has misled them. He brought them, he, he brought them into a worship of golden calves and idols and so forth, idolatry. Here's what we have in the southern, we have Jerusalem, the city of David. We have the temple of Yahweh and we have the real priesthood who are the only ones who can minister for us. If you don't have that, you're not going to have the temple ministry and the real worship of Yahweh. And they burned to Yahweh burnt offerings, that is the priesthood. They burned to Yahweh burnt offerings every morning and every evening in the incense and set up showbread and the pure table and the golden candelabrum and its lamps to kindle every evening. For we keep the watch of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. Crying out to the northern kingdom, you have perverted yourselves. The temple is where we are. The, the candelabrum, the, the, the menorah, the, the, the table of showbread, the incense that's before the veil, the altar of incense, all of these things, they are where we are. They are where the sons of David reign as king. They are not with you. And you're doing a terrible thing to pervert yourselves like this and yet still claim that you are the people of God. And behold, with us at the head are Elohim and his priests and the sounding trumpets to sound over you. Sons of Israel, do not wage war with the Lord God of your fathers for you will not succeed. The challenge then is made. Abijah has come with his hundreds of thousands of mighty warriors. Jeroboam responds to meet him with his hundreds of thousands of mighty warriors. The plea is made that the northern kingdom not go the path that they're going because they will not succeed. And the challenge then is made. Do not wage war with Yahweh, the God of your fathers. What he's saying here is the king of the southern kingdom is the, is the son of David by covenant. The city of David is in Judah. The son of David sits on the throne in the city of David and there close by to us. On the temple mount is the temple where the sons of Aaron and the Levites minister. And that is where in, in the regular process, morning and evening, everything that's supposed to be done that Yahweh has commanded his people through the priests and the priesthood. These are, doing, these are being done here where it was established by Yahweh. Tearing yourself away and forming up some other kind of religion and yet calling yourselves the people of God brings you at war with the God of our fathers. And you will not succeed. So the challenge then 
is made. Now, here's the point here at this point, we have to pause and say, this was how the Northern Kingdom started. They started in a rebellion, pursuing a false worship, yet claiming to be the people of God. The people of God separated from the true worship of God. And it is as this, kingdom, as this king said, that won't succeed. Jeroboam turned the ambush to come from behind them. And they were before Judah and the ambush was behind them. So Judah is sort of surrounded. And Judah turned around and they had fewer soldiers. And behold, the battle was before them and behind them. And they cried out to Yahweh. And the priests were sounding the trumpets. This, these are the real priests. Anybody could become a priest in the northern kingdom, but this was the true priesthood. And so they are there with the warriors and they're sounding the trumpet and the warriors are shouting the shout for war. And the men of Judah shouted. And it came to pass when the men of Judah shouted, Elohim, not Abijah, not him. Elohim smote Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah. God honored the truth of the message of Abijah. He didn't honor the life or, or reign of Abijah. He didn't honor that at all. But he stamped, he signed, if you want to put it that way, his approval onto the message that Abijah had delivered to Jeroboam in the northern kingdom. Jeroboam was their first king. He started them down a path that would finally lead to their ultimate ruin and the disappearance of the 10 northern tribes, except, of course, from the sight of God, because they show up at the, in the tribulation. Well, it wasn't the brilliant leadership of Abijah. It wasn't, it wasn't even the, it wasn't even the skill of the mighty men of Judah. It was Elohim. Elohim proved to the northern kingdom that the southern kingdom was the kingdom and the son of David was the king and the temple worship in Jerusalem was the worship. Anything else was wrong. It was a perversion of the, of the word and way of God's people. So Elohim, with his mighty hand, moved in and through Judah and Jeroboam and all of Israel and all of his army were smitten before Abijah and Judah. The sons of Israel fled before Judah and Elohim delivered them into their hands. And Abijah and his people smote them a great blow and 500,000 chosen men of Israel fell slain. And the sons of Israel were humbled at that time 
and the sons of Judah prevailed. They were made stronger. Because why? Because they relied on Yahweh, the God of their fathers. Israel couldn't do that. They had already perverted themselves. They couldn't claim this. They didn't have the priesthood. The real priesthood couldn't blow the trumpets. They were, as much as anything, this is a spiritual battle, and they were, they were totally lost. There's no way that Yahweh could permit those people at the beginning of all of this to prevail over the southern kingdom. It wouldn't happen because of the covenant, and David keeps getting mentioned now, Abijah pursued Jeroboam and he captured cities from him, Bethel and its villages, uh, Jeshana and its villages, and Ephraim and its villages. And then finally, we have the account of the deaths of both Jeroboam and Abijah. Jeroboam could muster no more strength in the days of Abijah, and Yahweh smote him, and he died. Abijah strengthened himself. He took himself 14 wives and he begot 22 sons and 16 daughters. The rest of the deeds of Abijah and his ways and his deeds are written in the Midrash of the prophet Iddo. And Abijah slept with his forefather. Okay, verse 23, I have an asterisk because in the Hebrew Bible, I think this is actually verse one of the next chapter in English translation, but in the Hebrew Bible, Verse 23 is the end of this chapter. And it seems to go with the story here, so I'll just include it here myself. Abijah slept with his forefathers. They buried him in the city of David, and his son Asa reigned in his stead, in his time. The land was tranquil for 10 years. Okay. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful Bible lesson for us to understand how Yahweh differentiated between what the northern kingdom was doing against the southern kingdom and the importance of true worship and to follow the word of God in worship. We'll stop there and we'll have our uh, prayer time.